0: This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello and welcome to the first of Palatinate Sports preview Podcast for Euro 2020. The Euros finally get underway two weeks today at the Stadio Olimpico on the 11th of June. And after a year's delay, we're back bringing you lots of great content dedicated for this year's Euros. With regular podcasts and articles coming your way every week. To kick things off, we're going to preview Group A in today's pod, which contains one of the home nations Wales. Roberto Mancini's Italy, and Turkey in Switzerland. I'm Seb Evans, and alongside me I've got Matt Stiles, James Gascoigne, and Johnny Tiplady. How are we guys? Excited for the Euros to finally get underway after a year?
1: Oh, it's, uh, too excited, yeah. Can't wait.
0: What are you most excited about?
1: Oh, well, uh, I'm, I'm excited to get annoyed with Southgate mainly. Um, it's yeah. been a long time coming. I think he deserves to come up and speak, really. he? If he wins us the Euros, then I can't complain. So... <laughs>
0: yeah, if he plays five at the back, I think I'm turning off. Yeah, my blood um, pressure
1: will be through the roof.
0: There'll be an
2: inquest if he does that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're here to preview Group A, which has Wales, one of the home nations. Um, how do you guys see their chances this year?
3: I personally think Wales are throughable Unfortunately, as much as I want them to do well as they did in Euro 2016, I just feel that Gareth Bale might not turn up, and Aaron Ramsey's been in pretty dismal form. For Juventus. I think a lot of the Juventus fans are unhappy. He's the second highest highest-paid player in the Serie A and judging by Juventus's recent form I don't think they've done too well and him at the heart of the midfield I think has got to take some blame. But who, who knows? A lot of players seem to have poor domestic form and then turn up at the Euros. So maybe it might be the same case with Wales.
0: Johnny, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, it's hard because I actually think this group could go one of many ways i think it's very very tight obviously italy italy are looking like the kind of clear favorites but even they still look like a side that's in transition i think after that switzerland turkey wales are all sort of on the same level um and like i mean like we saw with euro 2016 when they got to the semi-finals i mean anything can happen and that will definitely live in their memory as well that wasn't too long ago Um, I'm just concerned about, you know, the kind of off-field drama that they've had to deal with in the last year with everything that's happened with Ryan Giggs, obviously still up in the air. I mean, he's not taking charge of the team for obvious reasons, but I think that could still have a big mental effect on the players. Um, But like, yeah, like James has said, I don't know how much of a team they are. I feel like they do still rely on individuals like Gareth Bale, like, Aaron Ramsey isn't quite the player he was a couple of years ago. But, you know, these are the kind of biggest names after that. It's very much subpar, I think.
0: Yeah, they, they've left out how robson Carney scored that incredible goal against Belgium, <laughs> I think it was, in 2016. Um, Matt, do you think they've, they've got a chance if Bale doesn't turn up, or is it all on well, their just... shoulders?
1: Instinctively, I agree with James, because... You look at their team, there's a lot of championship players uh, there, a lot of players who've only recently broken into the Premier League and they have the experience. But as Johnny says, perennial underdogs reached the semi finals t- 2016, despite all the, all the odds with the manager problems. They could still do well. I mean, they've got some really good, promising young talent Conor Roberts, Ampadu, Cabango, Mepham, and Nico Williams. Dan James, who I mean, I'm not the biggest fan, but he does seem to.
0: They've actually <laughs> left him out, I think.
1: Oh, I think he's he's on Europe he was on Europa League duty, so I think he will be coming in. Um Okay. But even without him, I you know, you've got Brooks, got Harry Wilson, who seems to do well on the international stage. And you know, they've they've lost I think, one in fifteen in their last uh in know European uh, adventures. I mean not against the best teams, admittedly, but um they won eleven of their last fifteen, I think. And but again the problem is they seven of which were one 0 wins. Uh they last scored more than one goal in, I think it was November 2019. So they're keeping it solid, but they're not scoring. And I mean, in one-off games in this sort of level, it can go either way and they could, they could upset a few. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they're doing.
2: I was just going to say, we did see with the last... I mean, I only reminded this because I saw a video of it the other day. Um, I mean, in the last Euros, Portugal didn't win a single game in 90 minutes. So it's not all about, you know... Lasting through the opposition, LM Marcel Bielsa. it's you know, keeping it tight can get you quite far as well. So, who knows? James, James, do you see, assuming Italy topped the group,
0: which I think would be the expected outcome, do you see a Wales as favourites for the second place? I mean, it's pretty even between them and Turkey. Um, um,
3: controversially, I think Turkey are the dark horses of the competition.
0: I've uh, watched a few Lille games,
3: I think that's my <laughs> the only French football I watched this season. I think Yuzitski, Yilmaz, I just think that I think Turkey will dispatch Switzerland and Wales with relative ease. I mean, they've beaten some big names, took four points off France in the qualifiers, but they're an inconsistent team. You know, they have lost to a couple of the minnows in the competition. But I think just to touch on the Wales couple of the young players, I think, you know, they're hungry for it. First major tournament, you've got Brooks. I mean, we saw what his kind of attitude, the negative effects of it that it can have in the playoff semis when he shushed the Brentford fans and then got subbed off for a dire performance. But if we look at that, he's got confidence. You know, he's a little bit cocky. And I think sometimes that, that can work in these big tournaments. Look at Renato Sanchez, you know, Golden Boy now League league winner uh, in 2016.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Turkey you have got a really strong team if you actually look in detail. I mean, Kalanoglu at, is at AC Milan, is now in talks in talks of Liverpool, Kabak and Cienciou. Um Do you think they are strong enough to reach second place, Johnny, or do you think they're not quite as strong as Wales?
2: I think Turkey, out of the three, if we're kind of counting Italy as a, almost as a given, mm. I think they have the strongest squad. Um, like you say, Sienchu... And Kabak, I think that's a very strong core. I mean, Kabak didn't necessarily get to show it as much across the season, but you've seen him in the past. He's a very strong centre-back. Players like Chanaloglu do know how to control the game. And plus, in these kind of, um, these longer tournaments, set pieces can be a make or break. And he is absolutely world-class when it comes to his delivery like that. I think, yeah, I think they've got the kind of star quality out of the three teams that the others are lacking. I think Switzerland have got a few players who kind of stand out from their crowd. You, you look at the likes of Shaqiri, um, Jacko on a good day can obviously play very well as well. But I don't look at any of them and see stars who are actually in kind of the best form or in a purple patch with their confidence. I see their stars all having had not very fruitful seasons, either not getting into their first teams or just subpar performances that haven't really filled me with confidence for them. So I think I would put Turkey as second favorites, definitely.
0: Yeah, Charlie scored an incredible goal. I remember from the halfway line for Hamburg quite a few years ago. So that lives long in the memory. Yeah, it does. Um, we're sort of assuming that Italy get get the first place, but who knows? They're a bit of an unknown quantity with a lot of young players. Matt, what do you make of them under Mancini? Have you followed much of their progress?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Italy are massively exciting. Um, I love I love this team. I, I think all over the pitch, you've got wild cards that are kind of come in and hopefully make a difference and replace the old card. Um, you look at left play, you've got Spinazzola, you've got in midfield Pellegrini. Yeah, sorry, but Italian accent <laughs> there. Um, no, I've been doing the Italian fantasy league this year and there's so many players I just watch the highlights of the games. I'm you know, I'm excited by them. And I mean, they've won 10 out of 10 in the qualifying for the Euros. They've, um, they haven't lost since 2018. I think they are on a 23-game winning streak or unbeaten streak, sorry. Which, you know, in itself is incredible. And I think Mancini can win the tournament for them if, if they play their cards right.
0: Yeah, there's a bit of a legal theme in the striking department in this, in this group. Moise Keane has been revitalised a bit at PSG. Um, do you think, James, do you think that Italy have got the strike force to go, go far in the tournament? Uh, well, Moise
3: Keane has got more goals and more assists than Neymar has. He's second top scorer for PSG. And I think with uh, Churchill Mobile, who was the golden boot winner, last season beating out in the likes of Ronaldo and Messi and he's you know hit the ground running again showing he's not just a you know two-season wonder I remember when he was back at Dortmund firing blanks every game and I thought this guy will never get very far and well shows you how much I know and then you've got Insigne for Napoli I mean Napoli I mean they had they did miss out on European qualification but I still think they're a very solid team missed out on Champions League unfortunately but I think that's more due to the players just not turning up in the final game. And I think that could be the consistent theme we see with Italy in this uh, tournament. It might be the players who, you know, a lot of standout individuals, a lot of very talented players, but they might not turn up for the tournament. You look at Verratti, you look how much PSG bottled it against Manchester City in the semi final. They do seem to have a bit of an attitude problem. And I think. But I think Mancini has, you know, done his best to kind of eliminate that, you know, can't look past their unbeaten streak. Uh, But there are, again, like we said with Wales, perhaps not to that extent, but there are problems off the field. Donnarumma is, you know, leaving AC Milan after six, seven years being their number one keeper. So there's a lot of contract difficulties around a lot of these players, a lot of big money moves coming in, especially players like Barella. I feel like they might feel a lot of pressure on their shoulders. All these big clubs like sharks in the water swarming around, hoping that they have good performances and they know that they need to play well to get this big money move. So will the pressure crush them or will they thrive under it? I think we'll have to see.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think Mancini has been, ever since he left Man City, for the English audience, has perhaps been a bit off the radar. Um, Johnny, would you, do you rate him as a manager, as an attack tactician?
2: I do like him. I like what he's doing with the team as well because Italy... They've been known for their kind of defensive <laughs> jewels. They've always been a defensive, an iconic defensive team, and that's what we've looked at Italy towards. But now Mancini is doing a very good job of progressing them forward, making them more into an attacking force. And I think, like James has mentioned, with the players like Moise Akin and Immobile, even with Bellotti there as well, they've got almost a similar kind of, not quite as much of an embarrassment of riches as England doing them. Well, the forward department, but I think they're very similar in that regard. Their emphasis will be on the attacking, and I do, I do like what Mancini is doing there. Yeah, um, I've always rated them since he was at City.
0: Matt, do you have any strong mancini orientated opinions? Oh <laughs> well, no, I mean, obviously he's a great at City, but always doing
1: in Italy, I think it could be his crowning achievement if he, if he can get this team playing well. Um, the blend of youth and, and, and age is is something to behold, I think, because when you've got Benucci and Chiellini, you've also got Bastoni coming in, who's been incredible for Inter. I think he's only 22, something like that. He got back up in every department. Di Lorenzo, brilliant player, could come in for Florenzi. Chiesa, Immobile, Insignia should be the front three, in my opinion. Um, they should set the tournament on fire. Um, and In the midfield, you've got Ferrati dictating the play, along with Locatelli, probably, or you know, across the board, I just don't see a weak spot here and I think Mancini, with his experience, with his personality, he can, he can bring this Italy team to new heights and win them something for a long time.
0: Johnny, you talked about the, the crown jewels and has always been in the Italian defence throughout the years. Do you think there's a danger, James, that Chiellini and Benucci are jewels that are slightly past their best by now and that might overshadow Italy's chances this year?
3: I think there is that is certainly a case to be made, but I think you know they could outscore their opponents. The plus 33 goal difference in their qualifying group shows that you know perhaps the the typical stereotype of Italy as a strong defensive team, you know, has been swapped with one that can outscore their opponents. Perhaps I think it's experience in the centre half department that matters the most, as opposed to age. I think you need figures like Chiellini, Benucci, natural leaders out on the pitch. You've got players like Florenzi as well, who um, late 20s, you you know, he's been a starter for Roma and now PSG for for years, even though he might not be the best of players. He's still an experienced head, a Serbi as well in that centre-half department. I think they've got a good mixture of the young and the old, and I think that you need those veteran players to act as the leaders, especially in these competitions.
0: Do you, think, do you think, obviously, Juventus have had a bit of a, a dip this season? Has that almost come at the worst time for this league, given Bonucci, Chiellini, Chiesa, Bernardeschi all come from there? Could that mean they haven't got the,
2: the right energy, in a way, coming into this Euros? This Johnny, what do you think? I feel like, you know, as we've said, they're both very experienced figures. And I feel like, if anything, from those types of players, you learn that, you have to kind of bounce back from these failures. And I think that will have been still both from the domestic campaign, but also from internationally as well. I mean, they didn't qualify for a world cup four years ago and players like Benucci, like Chiellini will remember that. And I think it's the experienced heads who have to try and guide those younger boys towards the right results. Um, Obviously, yes, Juve have not had a great season, but, the, whole, the Italy squad isn't entirely made up of Juventus players, and that, I feel like if anything, it will have given confidence to the rest of the uh, the rest of the squad as well. Yeah, what's interesting
0: is obviously they, they actually kick off the tournament Italy at home at Stadio Olimpico against Turkey on the eleventh of June. Uh, this Euros is spread across Europe, uh, and Italy have one of the venues. Do you think is that an important advantage, Matt, for the countries that actually are host countries for this tournament?
1: Yeah, no, I think it will be. Um, you know, the Italians have an immense sense of pride. Um, I think playing in their own country will drive them on to, to new heights this year. And as Johnny said, um, they'll be wanting to you know reverse the damage that was caused four years ago and they didn't qualify for the World Cup. Uh, so definitely playing at home will be will be enormous for them.
0: What about um, Wales? Are they? James, have they got a big, big home advantage? When is there any advantage for Wembley? Even do you think?
3: I think there's a lot of Welsh people who will be happy to watch their team perform. Uh, I think I think it's a difficult one for Switzerland uh, because I'm pretty sure Turkey playing Baku and Baku is known to be quite uh, you know Turkish friendly. So I think that uh, especially in Italy, they make all all three of their games at home. So I think. They certainly will have a home advantage. I think it's difficult for Wales. I think maybe perhaps they've drawn a short straw by having to play the games at Wembley. Might be a few English fans who've sniffed <laughs> the crowd and might be yelling abuse at the Welsh players.
0: So I'd love to hear who you all think are the main players to watch in this group. Um, we've talked about a few of the stars. James, have you got any particular stars for this group A?
3: I do. I I think I'll I'll pick uh, one defender, one midfielder, and one attacker, if you don't mind.
0: Go for
3: it. I think for the defender, I've gone for a kanji. I think I've gone for a bit of an out there shout with Switzerland. I, I... You know, I rate him. I think he, he's been very good at Dortmund this season. He has struggled with injury and sometimes form. But I think, as we were saying earlier about the purple patch, I think he has hit a purple patch towards the end of the season. Dortmund have stormed through from seventh to third. You know, they were challenging Leipzig uh, towards the end. If it wasn't for Leipzig's earlier form, they might have pipped them to second. So I think Kanji will be a player to watch. I think, you know, there's a lot of big clubs who are lining up a centre back replacement. So I think he's one to watch from the centre half department. For a midfielder, I've gone for the definition of box-to-box box with Barella. I think he's an immense talent. I think he's really come into his own under Conte and Muccini on the international scene. And I certainly think a lot of clubs, United rumoured, I think they'll be after him. I think he, he's due a big performance in these Euros, and I certainly think he'll come through. And then for the striking department, I've gone for the second-best over-35 player in the European leagues, and that's Yilmaz. I think... No player scored more goals for him than him, except for Cristiano Ronaldo in the top five European leagues. So he's a known goal scorer. When it's really mattered for Leo, when they've been you know, down and out, he's produced some sensational performances. Think back to his his brace that he scored a few weeks ago that pushed them towards the title, his free kick, and then subsequent 89th-minute chip over the goalkeeper. He's a man who, for um, you know, over 35 who seems to be able to last the 90 minutes and could play another 90 minutes straight after. So I think there's a lot of talk about, you know, the older players in that Turkey team not being able to last. Well, I think I think Jormals could play 180 minutes and, you know, still score a half ball.
0: Johnny, you're back with us. I was just asking you, your players to watch for this group. What have you come up with?
2: Players to watch? I think, so out of the Italy squad, I would say... I like the look of um I like the look of I think yeah he had a he had a, tor- a torrid time with Everton but he's come back with PSG with a bang as well and I think that could encapsulate what this Italy squad will be about you know the idea that you have to come rise from the ashes of the failures that they've had with obviously failing to qualify for the world cup um and they've just not they've kind of been living in the shadows of their previous generations of defensive kind of teams that we've already talked about. So I think from Italy, I think Moise Akin could be very, very key. And I'm also quite intrigued to see how players like Barella do, because he's obviously one of the younger lads that we've seen. Um, so it's how he kind of does in what could be a relatively new stage. He's not as experienced as a lot of his counterparts. So I think that will be quite interesting. Um, from Switzerland, I do... To be honest, I don't really hold much hope for Switzerland, but I think <laughs> if players like Shakiri can perform, I feel like he is gonna he's gonna hold the key for that squad, definitely. They've not really got much about them, I don't think, going forward. I, I look, real umbolo showed a lot of promise when he was younger, but I don't think he's quite hit the heights that he was having expected of him. Um so I think Shakiri will be key for any hopes that the Swiss team will have. Um, and also as a partial Leeds fan, I'm also quite excited to see how Tyler Roberts does for the world. Because, you know, yeah. after a year, after a couple of years with Marcelo Bielsa, yelling stuff at you, you definitely learn a trick or two. So I think keep an eye on him.
0: Yeah, I mean, as a Liverpool fan myself, I think Shakiri's clearly got talent, but he just always fails to put it on show consistently. So he might have one or two moments of brilliance in the Euros, but I'm not sure he alone will be enough to pull Switzerland through. Matt, what about your your men to watch?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll include a goalkeeper. Uh, justice for the goalkeepers, James didn't fancy any of those. Um, Sommer, uh, the Gladbach keeper, has had an, an exceptional season in the Bundesliga, so uh, I'm looking forward to see how, how he does. But who have, as you say, a very strong defensive unit in front of him. Um, so yeah, in in defence, as I said earlier, Bastoni, uh, the Inter centre back. I think he'll play ahead of either one of Benucci or Giolini and I think he'll have a fantastic tournament. I think he will lay the the, the foundations of a very promising future for them uh, if he can perform well here. Uh, midfield, <laughs> I'm interested in the holding midfielders, uh, either Zacharia for Switzerland or more so Yakoshlu, the, the West Brom, well back on loan to Salzburg now, but tell your coach, we you been hold it down for Turkey and provide that platform for the likes of Chernogluo and Yezici and up top I mean Yilmaz is the obvious choice what an enigma he is that um, I've got to go with Chiesa I think he, he deserves some justice
0: he's like the ultimate understudy for Ronaldo he's been on fire and I think he, he can do some really good things this tournament yeah is it I was just sort of thinking now that obviously hopefully we're going to have fans in most stadiums this year is um, Italy quite an emotional footballing nation Um, having crowds back in the Stadio Olimpico do you think that really increases their chances I mean I can't imagine the Italians getting too up for games in the silent stadium and now they've got their fans behind them James do you think that makes a big difference for them
3: I think it does make a huge difference yeah everyone wants their home fans after a couple of years of fans not being in the stadium, you know, they'll be singing their hearts out. And I think it will really spur on the Italian team. And I think that's what Mancini wants. He wants the whole nation to get behind him. He wants everyone in the stadiums packing it out. He wants the, the bustling atmosphere. Maybe a few Vuvuzelas coming back in. You know, all the chants. He wants, he wants absolutely everything. And I think it certainly does provide a home advantage. I mean, look at the Prem when fans have come back in. Look how well those home teams have done especially the Leeds fans. You know, you look at Leeds' form towards the end of the season once they were playing in front of the crowd at Ellen Road and it spurred them on. And I think it'll be the same on the international stage at times 10.
2: Johnny, do you agree? Yeah, like James said, it's, it's a matter of national pride, I think. It's not just the fans in the stadium. It's just the fact that that represents a lot more. It's the fact that you can see just to kind of, it's just a sample, but you can see that there are people just out wanting to, kind of willing you on, pushing you forwards. I think over the last couple, the last couple of seasons, just with various uh, obviously difficulties, it's been very isolating. It's been a very isolating experience. Um, I think a tournament like this is a great way to unite fans from across countries and having them in the stadium, I think, is the absolute key to doing that.
0: Yeah, Matt, what are your thoughts on the, the new format where the host cities are spread across the whole of Europe as opposed to one country? Are you a fan of that new new route? Yeah, I think it will provide a lot of opportunity for the players to see their own fans in the stadium, um, especially after a year like we've had, I think. Um,
1: Good to get that range, and you know it, you know Europe in times of a, a real struggle. So yeah, massive fan of that, and uh, we good hopefully see if you um, your England game or one England game, any 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 action would be great. Right. Um, but I think generally it's great to see uh, Europe hopefully come together through this tournament of countries. And we had a, a tough time of it in football. Hopefully, be that unifying force, which it always proves to be.
0: Yeah, famous famously so. Um, just on the subject of Italy again, I was thinking back to 2012 when they weren't particularly favourites, um, but they obviously knocked out England and went to the final where they were slightly humbled by Spain. But they're always a bit of a dark horse. Um, if we turn our attention back to uh, Wales for a second, what are your th- I want to hear your guys' thoughts on Gareth Bale. He's had a bit of a mixed season for Spurs. When he can be bothered, he looks like he's still one of the best players in the world. He tends to turn up for, for his country. Johnny, do you think he's going to have another standout Euros like he did in 2016, or has he slightly past his sell-by date? It's
2: hard, because when you look back at 2016, he was still sort of in his prime. He hadn't yet, under, like he hadn't yet gone through the kind of isolation that he experienced a lot under Zidane. I think Muir on four years later, he's gone through a lot. He's kind of been put on the shelf. Um, at Real, and obviously he had to come back out on loan, which shows he's just not best regarded at Real anymore, and that can definitely weigh on your mind a lot um, as a player it's been good to see him back in the Prem and like you say, it's he's a brilliant player, just when he can be bothered those moments have been kind of few and far between this season um, I just worry too much that he is possibly what well, he I think the pressure will be too much on him to be that kind of bright spark in what is otherwise quite a poor Wales side and I'm not sure, I don't know how much confidence I would put just on the one man given his inconsistency this year.
0: Matt, are you a Bale fan or do you think he's too distracted by golf and high wages to really do the job this summer? No, not at all. I think the fact that he was committed to Tottenham this year proves that he still loves the game. He hasn't fallen out of love with the game or
1: anything like that. And as you saw in the Champions League final a few years ago, it's those moments of brilliance and those one of games that really define a And I don't think he's lost that ability. Um, you know, he'd show it for Tottenham in various games. You wouldn't have a, you know, a a really good, consistent run of form, but every now and again, he'll do something outrageous. And if he can get that service from likes of Brooks or James or, you know, pretty positive players, he will feed off that. And although there will be an over-reliance on him, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because he does, he is world-class despite a pretty poor situation for him the last few years. So, no, I think it's Gareth Bale.
0: Um, anything can happen. Yeah, it's great to have one of the stars of the world of football back playing reasonably regularly with Spurs last season. Um, James, as an England fan, do you feel animosity towards Wales or are you hoping that they do well this summer? I I
3: I think you've always got to root for the home nations no matter what. I think not obviously you don't want them to go that far, but I think you'd like them to have success at, you know, to some extent. You know, I don't think we'd particularly want to see them get hammered 6-0 by Yilmaz, you know, double hat trick. I don't think that would fill me with glee. But I think, you know, with them beating us in Euro, well, uh, having a better finish than us in Euro 2016, I know we won the Battle of Britain, but um, we did lose out and they did get do better than us. I think it would be nice to see, uh, you know, them getting knocked out in the group, I think, and us making it all the way to the final and then subsequently winning it. I think that would be uh, something nice to rub in the face of Wales fans who've allured over their Euro 2016 finish over us for so long.
0: Yeah, I feel like the uh, animosity towards Scotland is perhaps increased with the English, particularly now we're in the same group. Um, I want to get your top scorers for the group. Your Maz is probably uh, up there, but Johnny, do you see your
2: pick Moise Keane topping the charts for group face top scorers? Yeah. I think it could, be, it could be a very tight race. You've got, yeah, you've got your Maz, obviously. Moise Keen. I think I would probably put my money on him. Yeah, Keane, I think.
0: I don't Matt, think Matt's looking pretty pretty doubtful no
1: I just don't think he'll start because um you've got an and you've got Belotti as as the backup I don't see music getting more than ten minutes game uh, and even if he was to start i don't I just don't see it he was playing for psg and you're going to get chances as a striker at psg so I, I don't I don't think his renaissance is quite. What people think it is. Um, I would not put any money on Moise Kids to be top scorer. <laughs> I, would, I would put it on Immobile or Velotti, whoever <laughs> starts. And it will probably be Immobile. But you can't look past Unimus, you can't look past Bale, you can't look past Shakiri if he has a few bicycle kicks. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I yeah, it's yeah, it's in. You, you talk about Immobile, he's been so high up in the European. Scoring charts for the last few years, yet yeah, I feel no one really talks about him in the same breath as sort of Aguero. And, and according to his goals, he's been right up there. James, why do you think that is? He's, he seems to be doubted by people.
3: I think he's a different kind of player. I think you know, so much is being made now of the you know, the Ferran Torres's. Uh, the young, pacey strikers who can get in behind. They'll go on an amazing run. Well, look at Messi playing as a centre-forward for Barcelona. You know, it's those kind of strikers that are the ones in trend. And I really like him Obelé. I think he's something different. He's more of a traditional, you know, Inzaghi or uh, Vieri striker. You know, one of those stocky Italian forwards who can hold up the ball, you know, lay it off to the pacey wingers and get in the box for the header to finish off the move. I think with Immobile as well, out on that left-hand side, he might play, you know, as a, even as like an inverted striker. I think the service coming into Immobile, from you know, Bellotti on the right, Signe on the left, you've got Chiesa, Berardi, all the, you know, Politano even for Napoli, all these really good wingers, whose final products, is pretty damn good. I think all Immobile has to do is stand in the box and just get his noggin on it. I uh, think
0: Yeah, I think it's a shame that Balotelli is no longer around. He was so entertaining in 2012 with his Hulk celebration. Um, it's a shame that he seems to have finally fallen, uh, well, edging towards retirement maybe, although I imagine he'll hang around in the lower leagues for quite a long time. Um, if we broaden out our analysis a bit more now, who do you guys see as the teams to particularly watch. I mean, they're the big names, France is looking very strong. Johnny, do you have a
2: particular favorite for the overall championship? It's tough. I think this could be a lot more open than the last campaign. I think we've seen over the last international break, teams like Germany getting beaten by North Macedonia. I think it's, It's been a long two seasons. and I've definitely grouped them together because there was barely any pre-season break. And I think the players will be a lot more tired than we've realised it's going to be, well, hot in some countries, depending where it's going to be. It could be Italy, it could be raining in the UK, for all we know. Um, I think France, for me, do stand out. Obviously, they're off the back of a World Cup win. They are ridiculously strong. I mean, their team that didn't go isn't in the squad. Probably still challenge for a euros, I think. Um, I'm excited by England, excited yet cautious, as I always am with any international competition. Um, I also think Belgium I think Belgium again, will do very well. I think they are probably the three that I would pick. I'm possibly being a bit too optimistic with England, but I think Belgium definitely have enough to rival France. I think it's part of being an England
0: fan to be overly optimistic going into a major tournament. Uh, I personally got so much enjoyment out of North Macedonia's thrashing of Germany. That was hilarious. Um, James, who are your who's your pick if you had to pick one for the Euros?
3: Oh, oh well, it's a difficult one. I you know I think I'm going to go for one we haven't mentioned yet, and I'm going to say Portugal. I just think with the the talent that they have in their squad and just the individual brilliance and the standout performances. You've got Renato Sanchez, who's really rejuvenated his career after somewhat pretty abysmal spell at Bayern Munich and then subsequently Swansea. Um, you know, he's really come back and you know, he's pushed it forward. Jose Font as well, Southampton legend, You know struggled in Portugal, went to the lower leagues of English football and came up with Southampton and then look at him now captaining Lille to victory. You've got Ruben Diaz, Cancelo, there's just so much individual talent and obviously, you know, the main man, uh, you know, you can't go out a podcast without mentioning it, Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes. I think all these players, they've just got so much individual talent. They've got the defensive strength. They've got field strength. They've got the, you know, pacey attackers. You've got your more traditional centre forwards. You've got, you know, young players, Jao Felix. You've got Jotu, who's had a relatively good season despite his injuries and, you know, Liverpool's, topsy-turvy form I just think you can't look past Portugal to win it
0: yeah, I personally have to completely agree particularly now they've got leaders in Fernandes and Diaz to compliment Ronaldo Matt do you agree have you got an, an, another name in the hat
1: well, Portugal would have been mine as well I think like City Diaz has provided that final uh, piece of the jigsaw to, to finally get them over the line
3: I mean they won it obviously last time but I think they are <laughs> stronger now I and mean, we'll, this time we
1: won't be quite so surprised and um, but if I had to choose another one, I think uh, I said, yeah, I sung their praises all throughout the podcast. And Italy, I think, are my dark horses for this one. Um, I love, I just love the team. Uh, and unlike France, I think they've taken a bit more, a few more risks. Um, and maybe invested a lot more in youth, and I think they will that will on some some good stuff.
0: I don't want France to win it. I, I, their, their omission <laughs> of Teo Hernandez is a me right up. Yeah, why has that particularly got got you?
1: Well, I just think he's the best attacking fullback in Europe. And to to choose oh, a Luka yeah. Dean or a Lucas Hernandez is, 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 a, is a positive.
0: That is a, that is a big claim that he's the best, best attacking, attacking
2: fullback. Johnny, Johnny didn't like that. Um, who, you, I mean, who would you put ahead of him? Trent is a pretty big, you know, I think he's a pretty big contender for that mantle, given what his delivery like. I even, I mean, Andy Robertson, I think, goes by the wayside and is attacking capabilities as well. His delivery is phenomenal. Teo Hernandez, he's good, but I don't know if he's on the level of Trent. Yeah,
0: I mean, I France just... have got good fullbacks.
2: I mean, Trent's defensive definitely undercuts it, but offensively, I don't think you can look past a fullback like him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I personally think it would be crime against humanity if Trent was left out there the Euros squad but that's a separate discussion a different podcast Um, okay guys to finish off our first of our Euros podcast let's get the order of prediction from all of you for group A so Johnny first up I want one to four how's the group going to finish
2: I think it'll be tight I think Italy first but it's not definitely going to be them getting nine points I reckon it could be a win and two draws maybe that gets them through Um, second I'm edging towards Turkey for second place, I think, and then I think they've just got they've got the standout players out of the other three, and then probably Switzerland third and Wales fourth. I'm, I'm I want to back the home nations, but I don't see Wales getting much out of this group. James, do you do you agree?
3: Uh, I do, but I think I think Italy will be first. I think I think we can all agree on that pretty much. But I, I agree. I think. You know, two wins and a draw, then I think Turkey will very clearly be second place. I think they'll dispatch Switzerland and Wales, and I think they'll get a draw against Italy. And I think it'll first and second will be decided on goal difference. I can see them both on the same amount of points. And then I think I'm gonna put Wales third. I think that they can somehow have a knack of grinding out the results in these tournaments. And I don't think Switzerland have been very good at all. A lot of their players are a bit out of form. You know, I have mentioned they've got a few. They do have a good core. You've got a Kamsi summer, but I think uh, Switzerland fourth and Wales third.
1: Matt, what about you? Yeah, probably the same. Uh, Italy first, can't make past them. You've got to go for Turkey second just because of the amount of goals they score. You look at Switzerland and Wales, they struggle to find the back of the net. So, Yeah, Italy first, Turkey second, Switzerland third, and unfortunately Wales fourth.
0: Great, thanks a lot, guys. I think that's all we've really got time for. But uh, all those, all our listeners, please do tune in to Platinum Sports' continuing coverage of the Euros with regular articles and podcasts. There will be a Group B preview coming your way in the next few days too, so be sure to tune into that and listen to us soon. Thanks very much for listening. Purple Radio Podcasts.
2: Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.